0: All right, if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. As you turn there, let me... um, Let me talk a little bit about where we are as a church in regard to uh, the next couple of months, I guess, or maybe the next month, month and a half or so. Um, We are beginning the 30 days of prayer on Thursday, which I'll talk about. Um, We have the reunion next weekend, which I'll talk about. And then we have our actual birthday, which is into February, which is at the end of the 30 days of prayer. So we pray all the way through, that's uh, the 30 days leading up to our actual birthday. And then on that weekend is when we'll have a, like our official, like the, the covenant members of the church vote to change the name kind of moment. And we sign whatever we want to sign and that kind of stuff. And then I'm not sure if that, if, if it's like a from that day forward, we will now be known as Living Hope Fellowship or what. I'm not sure if that's the flip over date or if we're going to kind of build it into something else. I'm not totally sure yet, but um, that's a, uh, there's a lot of like very uh, big things happening during this stretch of time. And so... Uh, I hope that you are kind of aware and that you're listening and that you're praying and that uh, you're a part of this as deeply as you can be. Um, the reunion next weekend is going to be, it's at Parkview where we started out um, on Saturday from 11 to 2. There is just going to be food and it's going to be in the, in the old gym, which is where we, that's where we launched uh, as a church. That's where we spent a lot of our like years as a college ministry. Uh, so we'll be in that gym. There'll be food. There'll be lots of old ring memorabilia. Lots of photographs that you probably wouldn't recognize at first. And you start looking, and you're like, oh, I know that person. They're just grown up now. Uh, and so lots of baby-faced pictures of a lot of us when we were younger and uh, whatnot. And uh, there'll just be lots of stuff like that. For those of you who are part of things now, they were not a part of things back then, to be able to see a little bit of where we've come from. And we're inviting all of the people who used to be a part of it, who knew that a church was going to happen one day, but maybe they were a part of it, maybe they weren't. We're inviting them to come so that they can also see what happened after they moved away from the ring and stuff like that. So it's kind of going to serve both purposes, to let you guys see where we've come from and to let them see where we've ended up. And then those of you who are in the overlap there, you just get to enjoy both sides of it, I guess. Um, So Saturday we'll be in the gym Food, all that stuff will be there. Just be kind of a come and go kind of thing, um, to be able to just visit and spend time together, and be able to meet people uh, who were a part of things back when and stuff like that. So that'll be Saturday. Sunday we'll have we'll have our Sunday gathering, but it won't be here. It'll be there. It'll be at three thirty, which I know is earlier than normal, and it's maybe not the best time when it comes to like putting kids down for naps and those kinds of things. But here's the reasoning behind it. We wanted to be able to have another meal after the service that people could, like, stick around for and not have to, like, hurry up and get home, you know, kind of thing. So we bumped the service up, and um, I know that maybe, maybe it doesn't fit into your Sunday schedule quite as well, and I'm sorry, but our goal really was to be able to have a time of worship together and to just uh, thank God corporately in the sanctuary at Parkview, which is where the ring technically started, um, and uh, be able to have that time together and celebrate that. Kids are in the nursery, you know, kind of like here. And then you go get the kids and everybody go to the gym and have another meal together and kind of continue that fellowship time. Because some people can come one day, but not both, and so and so that's why it's it's earlier and those kinds of things. So um, I hope that you can kind of figure out how it fits in there and just kind of just make it happen for one Sunday. Uh, that would be that would be awesome. So everyone who's been a part of the ring is invited. Uh, we've tried to push it as much as we can, and so if there's someone you're thinking of who was a part of things at one point in time, but um, maybe you just want to make sure they have heard, make sure they're they're invited, bring them along. Um, that would be that be really cool. So um, so we'll be there, and there will be uh, there's some like T-shirts that we have on the way, which will be kind of cool, and there'll be like the last ring cup that they will ever do will be there, uh, and you might might get one maybe. Uh, and so for those of you who collect things, then that'll be there. But you'll also just get to see a bunch of old old stuff that'll be kind of fun. And so the, but the big goal really is to celebrate the fact that, that God really has done something unique here with us. Uh, a lot of churches get started every year, and some of them make it, and some of them do not. Um, but we we just have some uh, a unique history that there really aren't very many around that's even sort of in the same pasture as us in terms of uh, kind of our story and stuff like that. So it'll be it's it's unique, and so hopefully, if you don't understand the uniqueness, maybe after next weekend you'll kind of be like, okay, I I kind of see how we're not like every typical Baptist church plant that's out there. So um, we'd love to see you there for that. On Friday night, If uh, we are up to serve at the men's shelter on Friday night, and we need some guys who will who will sign up for that and let Patrick know that. you. A lot of you dudes get an email that has like 90 names on it. And it's like, hey, we need to serve at the shelter. And when you see 90 names ahead of yours, you're probably assuming someone in there will get it done. But we, it's us. We need to do that. We don't have anybody signed up to do that yet. So please, if you can do that on Friday nights, right after work, um, talk to Patrick. Let him know. And uh, everyone I've ever known who's gone to this has not regretted a single bit of it at all. It's really it's a tremendous blessing. So that's all going on next weekend. On Thursday, though, we start the 30 Days of Prayer. And if you've been around the ring for a for any length of time now, you've probably have heard us talk about this. Maybe you've participated in it. Our church plant came out of that college ministry from 90, 1998 when we first began. And a part of our first couple of years was this stirring that we had in us that God was going to morph us into some sort of new church start in Baton Rouge and it was it was in us i mean we were talking about it a lot we got really excited about it and there's a bunch of college students who were we were christians and we kind of grew up around church but we weren't we we just had this vision for a church that is just different than like than the churches that we had seen and experienced which is not a slam on those churches necessarily but there was just a desire in us when you read the book of acts you know you read the new testament you read what jesus talks about in regard to his bride uh, there was a deep desire to be a part of something that looked just like that. And we began to talk about, you know, hey, we should just start our own. And we could just start off that way, you know. And, and the more we talked about it, you know, we were like, yeah, we're just, we're just dumb college kids. What do we know? And um, someone said, you know, we're doing a lot of talking, but we're not doing any praying. And we're getting each other all hyped up. And the next thing you know, we're going to convince ourselves that this is what God wants us to do instead of hearing it from him in a, in a genuine way. So between the, the fall semester and the spring semester, we said, let's just take advantage of that break. And we're all kind of scattered out everywhere. Let's pray separately as individuals. And let's seek God for that month. And let's just ask him, like, do you want us to be, is this where the ring is going? Are you going to plant a church with us one day? And what should that look like? And when? And all those kinds of questions. And so let's do that separately for a month. Let's not talk to each other about it. Like there was a gag order. Like you could, just couldn't talk about what you were learning and what you were sensing because we wanted to come together at the end of the month and kind of put all our cards on the table and see how much we synced up. In that first 30 days of prayer, we got into a living room and we began to share where we were and more and more and more this unity of God's voice became very, very clear. And we, we came away knowing that we would, we would be a part of a church plant, but it would not be anytime soon. And there were a couple of the steps that we felt like God wanted us to take. And so that was uh, several years before we actually planted. And so uh, that 30 days of prayer is what we called it. And the, it rolled around the next year, and we just had more questions. So we did it again. And we rolled around the next year, and we had more questions. And so every year, we just took that month and just prayed. And as we have become a church... Some years it's been more about renewing our covenant with each other and, and reminding ourselves of what we're about. Um, some years we've, we've read books together. We've had very focused times like we did last year, praying for very specific things. And so I want, us, uh, I want to talk to you for a few minutes just so you can know this is how we're doing it this year and this is why we're doing it this way. And before I get to that, though, I want us to go back and sort of jump back uh, 11 months or so. To what we learned coming out of last year's Thirty Days of Prayer about prayer itself. Not the answers we were looking for, but but there's some deeper currents running through the the congregation as far as our own hang-ups about praying and our insecurities and those kinds of things. And and we really spent several weeks kind of processing that in community groups and then on Sunday nights together, and there's some goodness there. And so I don't want to assume that we're still kind of thinking that because a lot has happened since then. And so uh, let me just kind of jump back there so we can perhaps start off where we left off last year. So look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Uh, this has been poorly taught uh, in a lot of contexts, especially in the last several years as the prosperity gospel, as it has been labeled, uh, has kind of emerged, uh, where this seems like this blank check that Jesus is giving us. It's like, you ask, and it, God's going to give it to you, you know. And there are entire congregations and, and pastors who are famous because they are, are pushing that and pushing that and pushing that, and they conveniently tie like money to that, you know. And they're getting rich, and their churches are getting really huge, and you have these people who are asking and asking and asking for stuff, but what the preacher said is not really happening because it's not always coming to them. You know? It's not a blank check that Jesus says, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. Now, there's more going on in the passage. So, so here are some of the points, if, you're gonna, if you want to take notes, just a couple of things from this passage that, that God really brought to the surface last year for us in regard to prayer. One of them, if you look again at nine, ten, and eleven, um, says, "Which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent?" Okay. So he's picking some. Uh, this is like a you know your kid asks for something good, and the the parent gives him something bad. Can I have some bread? Here's a rock. You know. Can I have some fish? Here's a snake. You know. That's none of us want that kind of exchange at all. Um, and so he's, Jesus is saying, like, you guys, all you guys, all you fathers in this room, if your kid asks you for bread, if you're at dinner tonight and your kid's like, hey, can I have another piece of bread? You're like, hey, yeah, here's a piece of granite, you know? No, none of you are going to do that. Um, if your kid wants to order fish off the menu, because kids love fish, you know? Uh, if you're like, hang on, let me go dig up a garter snake out of the uh, flower bed out there and bring it to you. You know, he's, he's using this absurdity to kind of make a point. And this is the point, verse 11. If you, then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? He's speaking to a whole bunch of people who are all messed up and capable of some really dark things. And yet, when your kids want fish, you're not going to go and give them something that's going to harm them. You're not going to give them a snake that's going to bite them and hurt them or maybe kill them. You're not going to give them a stone that if they were to eat it would break all their teeth, you know? He's like, you guys have you guys have problems, and yet you you wouldn't even do that. So what about your heavenly father who has no issues, who's is completely holy and completely good. Jesus is is this master teacher, and he's he's helping like he does this from time to time where he's like. He talks about someone who is unrighteous and says, And even if an unrighteous person, even if someone who is broken and fallen wouldn't even do this, then how much greater do you think your holy, good Father is going to treat you? That part of the passage is very important in order order to understand the asking and seeking and knocking. To know that our Father is good and He only gives good to His children. That's it. That's all that He will give you. You will never ask him for something that is bad for you, and he will give you that thing that is bad for you. He, give, he knows how to give good gifts, and he gives them. And so that provides a little bit of like context, but it's like after context. You know? So if we go back to verse 7 and we look at asking and seeking and knocking, it says, Ask and it will be given to you in verse 7. Now you can see why people like that verse. They want that blank check. Ask, it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock, it'll be open to you. He who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks, the door is opened. And he says, "Remember, your your father's not going to give you something that's harmful for, to you." So those have to go together. So asking, when he says, "Ask and it will be given to you." He's asking in the context of a of a child to a parent. And what do kids? What do kids ask for? Everything. Right, you parents know that. Like, they will ask for everything. And why do they ask for everything? Well, some of it because they're you know they're kids. Some of it is some of it is because they're just very curious and they see things and they just start talking. They're like, I want that, I want that. You know, they see uh, anything that's appealing to them and they want it and they ask you for it. Sometimes they ask you questions. What's that? What's that? My my brother Drew. You know, he has a. Uh, two boy has three boys, but the three-year-old and the five-year-old are both in this stage of, like, they'll ask you a question, and you answer it. And even if your answer is perfect, they're going to say, why? And it's really cute the first time, you know. And then, like, 600 times later, you're like, I, this. that's the, literally the best answer I can give. And then you tell them why, and then they still ask you why. And it's just constant, why? What's that? What's that? Can I hold that? Why well, can't I hold that? And Drew will say, sometimes he'll tell him like, hey, don't jump off of that. You'll get hurt. Uh, They'll jump off of it and they'll be like, see, I didn't get hurt. (laughs) There's this childlike uh, mixture of innocence and rebellion and curiosity and just uh, uh, all those things kind of all mixed together. And so Jesus is putting in context for us asking in the context of of like you're the child, he's the parent. He's saying, asking and you're going to get an answer. You ask for the things that you want, ask for the things that you need, ask for the things that you can't even articulate. Jesus is telling you, hey, look, go for it. Sometimes we get weird about asking for things we want, you know. You feel, like, oh, I'm always supposed to pray for things I need. And that's putting a, it's putting a governor, it's putting a limit on like God's capacity to hear you and love you and care for you. But he has no, there is no uh, limit for that. There's no lid on that. There's no point where he's going to be like, stop asking me questions. Stop asking me for stuff. So I think that Jesus is giving us permission to like, go for it. Ask him. Ask him the things that, for the things you need. Ask him for the things that you just want. Ask him for direction. Ask him for help. Ask him for deliverance. Ask him for, just ask, 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 ask. He's just telling us to go for it. Jesus in Gethsemane is a great example I mean, Jesus prayed to the Father and said, "Hey, I don't really want to do this. Is there another way we could go? We could we could deliver all of our children from the bondage of sin without me having to be crucified? That would be great." Well, I think he's encouraging us to follow his example. If Jesus can ask the Father, "Is there another way besides the cross?" then you and I can pretty much ask for whatever. Because Jesus knew that his Father was good. He may not give you fish or bread, but he will not give you a stone or a snake. You may ask for something, and he may say no. Last year, we asked him to give us a building, and he said no. But you know what he did? He, he, at the same time when he said no to that, he also didn't, like, demolish this place. He didn't put us out where we had nowhere to meet or nowhere to gather. He didn't, he didn't crush us and be like, how dare you ask for me for a building, you know? No, he said no, not now So we asked him for bread We asked him for a fish And what we got in return was not a snake and not a stone It just wasn't bread or a fish So you ask, but there's this openness to receiving whatever it is Knowing that he's going to give you what's best for you It was not best for us to get a building last year It's fine It kind of of stunk, you know I've talked about that many times. But he's good in it. It was not good for us at the time. And now I feel, like, I feel like I understand more now why he told us no when we asked last time. And I can look at it and say, yeah, that was definitely the right call. And I think a lot of you understand that as well. And if you don't, then let's talk about it afterwards. Um, so that's asking, and then he says, seek, uh, seek and you will find. We talked about last year about seeking is really, like you seek things that you really want to find. If you look around for just kind of scan the room for something and you don't see it and you kind of move on, that's not seeking. That's just, that's kind of, that's scanning. <laughs> you know, that's just looking. You seek the things that you are determined to find. You seek the things that, that until you find it, you, you will not rest. You will not have peace, you know. You, you seek the things that uh, there will be a sense of incompleteness without it. And so you are determined. You are, like, it's just it's this deep, like, I have to have this. We see that in the, in the book of Luke with the, the, the parable of the lost coin and the lost sheep and the lost son. This one coin goes missing, and she could have been like, no, I'm fine with all the rest of them I have. And she's like, no, got to have that one. And she cleared out the whole house and covered every square inch of the house till she found it. There's one sheep that was missing. The shepherd goes after that one. He's not content with all the other ones. He sought it and sought, and sought it until he found it. The, the prodigal son, the, you know, the lost son, the father is there scanning, scanning the horizon, waiting for his son to return. And so you seek the things that you truly want to find. So with the Lord, it's about a deep desire to know Him and become like Him and follow His lead and obey Him. And so you're asking for stuff, but then He, he says, "Don't just ask; you need to seek." I mean, you need you got to want it bad. You got to want to know Me. You got to want to know My will. You got to want to be like Me. It it is like there are the depths. And that's where, that's where we go from a very like, innocent, like childlike, just ask, 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 ask. But it matures into seeking the longer we walk with him. Because a lot of times with kids, they can ask you a question, and I've seen parents do this a lot. I've never done it myself. kid will ask a question, and they'll just distract them with something. You know? It's like, oh, a shiny quarter. And they're like, oh, a quarter. And then they're done. You know, they don't come back to it anymore. That kid wasn't seeking answers to that. If they circle back around to it, and they keep circling back around to it, then they're really seeking to know something from you. My pastor growing up, uh, who uh, might be at the reunion next weekend, which I'm excited about, and scared to death. Uh, he, he would always talk about how his kids, I've said this before, his, his, they would start to pay attention to the things that their kids repeatedly ask for when it comes to like Christmas and birthday. He said, you, if, you if you go by a toy store or every commercial that comes on, your kid's are like, I want that for Christmas, I want that for Christmas. And they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, when they keep circling back to it, and they keep asking, they keep asking, they're seeking. They want it deeply. They won't rest until it's there. So asking becomes seeking when it goes to the depths of who we are. It's coming from a place where we will not rest until we're at peace with whatever it is that we're seeking. Knock, knock, and the door will be open to you. Uh, Jesus gives us permission, and it's really instruction to just persist and wear him out. To be that child that is constant, just asking and asking and asking. See, on our in our earthly relationships, every parent hits their limit of like, "Do not ask me that one more time." That's fine. It's not sinful. All of us, no one wants to stand there and have someone knocking on your eardrum with their question over and over and over again. But God, uh, he's not like us. It doesn't bother him. He's infinitely patient with us. And he would rather us pray about the same thing in the same way every single day, multiple times a day. Because you know what happens when we're doing that? We're asking and we're seeking and we are just knock, 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 knocking. No one knocks one time unless it's a secret knock. I've never been a part of a secret knock, but when you knock, you keep on knocking. And if you really want that person to come to the door, you just keep going until they're just fed up. We see that in Luke 18 with the persistent widow where she keeps going to the judge and she's wearing him out, wearing him out. And eventually he's like, fine, whatever. You get your way. And Jesus says, this unrighteous judge, don't you think your Holy Father would be even more quick to answer? It's another one of those comparison things Jesus does. And so we ask like a child for what we need and what we want, and we just ask him. Because we trust Him as our Father. And we seek because we deeply want to know Him and be like Him. And we want His will to be done. And we do it persistently like a knock on the door where we're knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking. And we don't let up. Don't let up. And the whole time we're doing this knowing that He hears us and answers us and gives us what is good. He may not give us the fish or the bread that we ask for. But what He does give us will not be bad for us. It will only be good for us. And so a lot of what was heard last year out of the 30 days and out of the community group material that kind of came out of some of these ideas was people just uh, how insecure we are about prayer and asking for stuff. And, and how much of that comes from like the way that we were raised with our parents. And even the best of parents, they don't want you to like just bother them constantly with these requests. And, and even the best of earthly parents are still fallen and broken and healing and all that stuff compared to this Holy Father who is infinitely patient and infinitely good and can give you his full undivided attention all the time and never gets tired of you, never once. And so the, the big takeaway is like, hey, just come before him and just wear him out. He does not get tired of it. He loves it. Because you do so trusting Parents, your kids trust you that you're not going to give them something poison to eat. We trust our Father to not give us something that's going to destroy us. It's, he won't do it. So, maybe everything I'm about to say about 30 days doesn't apply to you as much as some of those things. So just be encouraged by Jesus' permission to us and His instruction to us to just go for it. Put that into your life. Put that into where you are, who you want to become what's going on, all the things you need to know, all the things you have no idea what to do with, whatever, he's like don't go through your life not asking or seeking or knocking don't do that, a lot of people do that you talk to them and you ask them how they've been praying about it and they're like, I really have it okay, we'll start how about that, just start just take one step in that direction so we as a congregation since, uh, I guess it was, yeah, either 99 or 2000, one of those semesters, it all, it's all a blur right now. Um, we've been doing this every single year. We've been trying to come together and as a group ask and seek and knock and just see what happens, trusting that God's going to lead us. And so here's, here's how we're going to do this in the coming month together. Um, And the first thing I want to tell you is that it's all going to happen over email this year. And so if you, uh, I sent out an email to the big email list this afternoon with a link on there that puts you on another email list just to receive these emails uh, every morning. And so you need to, to go to that email and follow that link and go sign up for that um, and I'll put it. Um, it'll go on our Facebook page and Twitter and all that stuff uh, soon on the website and everything. But for now, it's just in the email. Um, so between now and Thursday, you need to to definitely do that. If you are uh, if you are not an email person and you would like like a physical copy. You need to talk to me like directly as a person, like eye to eye contact. You need to talk to me, okay? So don't tell someone else and trust that they'll tell me, and then you're mad at all of us because we didn't get it done. You just need to talk to me, okay? But we're gonna go all email this year if possible, um, and and we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray toward the the change of our name. Most churches never change their name. And so it's one more way that we're just not normal. And so we're going to change our name in a month, and it's, we're going to become Living Hope Fellowship. And I've explained that and gone over that. You can reference some podcasts and stuff, but uh, we're going to pray. That's going to be our framework for the 30 days of prayer. And here's, here's what I mean by that. Uh, living is going to be our emphasis on, like, Jesus. Jesus is alive, so our hope is alive. It's, just, it's not hope like the world knows it. It's hope that is a person and so uh, on the days where living is the, is the banner that we're praying under, that's going to be all about our relationship to Jesus. Hope is what we, um, we walk in as people who have been redeemed, but it's also what we hold out to the city, to the community around us, to the people everywhere who, who have lost hope because their hope has been in themselves or their hope has been in another person our hope has been in a circumstance or hope has been in a possession or hope has been in something else and every single time that person or that thing breaks your heart over and over and over again and so the hope that we hold out is this hope that never fades or fails or goes away because our hope is Jesus and so Hope, if living is about our relationship to Jesus, hope is about, our, is about what we're holding out to the people around us. It is, a, it is the mission that we have been called to as the people of God. And then fellowship, that is, that's us. That's what we do together. That's the, the partnership, the coming together, the shared responsibility, the mutual care for one another. Uh, that's the church. And so that's going to be on those days are going to be when we pray about our care and our relationship to one another as parts of as like members of the same family, as brothers and sisters in the Lord who have committed to one another as well. So living is about our tie to Jesus. Hope is about our tie to the the people of the city around us and our mission. And fellowship is about our tie to one another. So this makes so much sense to me, but it may not make sense to you. So just bear with me, okay? So we're going to pray, Living Hope Fellowship, Living Hope Fellowship. We're going to go through that cycle. Um, we're going to pray about our tie to Jesus, our tie to, the, our, to mission, and our tie to one another. We're just going to cycle through that for a month. However, uh, it's even more complicated than that. Um, the We're going to pray on Mondays and Thursdays are going to be our uh, days where, where living is the, is the banner we pray under. On Mondays, it's going to be about... Like, I will pray about my personal tie to Jesus on Monday. You will pray about your personal, like, commitment and love for him on Monday. <clears throat> um, on Thursday, when we get to living, then, then we're going to pray for, like, our collective corporate tie to Jesus. Okay? So, Mondays, my relationship with Jesus. Thursdays, our relationship with Jesus Sorry, I'm going through a thing. Um, and <laughs> Tuesdays <coughs> I, I know I need to stop uh, I'm, I'm fine really I just it's, it's about to get crazy if I keep coughing. I have to call a timeout and go to commercial or something um, tuesdays Tuesdays will be the hope day and're going you're going to pray about your personal tie to the mission that God has you on. The people that he's sending you to in our city to hold out hope. Um, on Fridays, we're going to pray about our group, like our collective church <coughs> mission uh, to go and bless your heart. That's, that's a friend. Okay. About our collective mission as we corporately go and bless the city. Wednesdays, uh, fellowship day, we're going to pray about guess what? Wednesday will be your personal like commitment to be a part of caring for one another. Like your devotion to this all these other people. On Saturdays, that will be the other fellowship day. We're going to pray about our collective care for one another. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the emphasis will be about it'll be very personal. Thursday, Friday, Saturday will be very corporate. Okay, But we go through Living Hope Fellowship personally, then Living Hope Fellowship corporately. Then on Sundays, what are we going to do on Sunday? Because that messes up the pattern. It doesn't mess up the pattern at all. Because on Sundays, it's going to be different. On Sundays, we're going to pray for like our worship gathering that's happening that night. If you never, ever pray a second before you get to this building, hopefully there will be four Sundays over this month where you will pray and anticipate what happens when we come together. Um, so that is going to be uh, kind of an off day uh, if you're a dieter. That will be your cheat day, and you can just pray for church, not to pray for Living Hope Fellowship at all. We're going to pray for the gathering that happens that night. And then Monday we start the, the cycle over again. Okay? I say all that to say this. Um, what we're going to do is going to be structured, and it's going to be purposed. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thank you. Pardon me. That's what that little platform is for right there. I just learned that. Um, we're not going to just like um, pick a moment and say, all right, now our name is different. We're going to pray that into existence. We prayed and, uh, you know, f- leading up to our launch as a church, we even fasted that weekend. And so our name is going to be covered in prayer and not just some sort of decision that we make. I do have a concern that I just want to address real quick right here at the end. My concern is that we're going to compare to last year and we're going to lose some excitement. Last year was the most different one that we had done except for the very first one. And people really, like you guys... And myself included were very excited about what we were praying for last year. It was not just praying about a building. It was praying about the future and praying for direction. But that building was in there and that kind of became the like the big thing. It's like, oh yeah, that was the year we prayed for a building. That's how that one will be known. And I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, because that, it generated like a buzz a little bit among us. We were excited. We were expectant. We really believed that something massive was going to happen, and it was—it was energizing. It was—it was fun. It was a little nerve-wracking, you know. Like you're just kind of like, "Oh, what's going to happen?" You know. And I make a reference to you know people having a vision of of a seahorse, you know. And sure enough, over the whole month, there are people would send me pictures. They would find seahorses everywhere. There's a Eight-foot metal seahorse right down Government Street. Big sculpture sitting there. And it had been there for a while, and I'd never seen it. And we were excited, thinking, like, something's going to happen, something's going to happen. And it got to the end, and it was like, no, you know. And I heard a lot of people say, this is the first 30 days I have ever, like, really stuck with. I've ever, like, legitimately done past the first few days. And, and I'm, <clears throat> there's a part of me coming from my own patterns and stuff, but also just knowing knowing how I'm not alone in this, that kind of is not quite as excited or as driven or is not maybe believing as much about this year (coughs) as, uh, as last year for, you know, all those reasons. And so I was thinking about it and kind of burdened by it and kind of wondering, like, how do you really, what do you do about that? And I think a part of the thing about a building that got us so excited was there was this feeling that that would be a game changer for us as a church. You know, feeling like that would legitimize us somehow. That that would give us something permanent. That that would give us something where we could call all the shots. We could be totally responsible for it. Something that we could, if we wanted to meet in the morning, we could meet in the morning. If we wanted to do whatever... (coughs) We could do whatever, and feeling like that would that would be it you know and um i 'm not getting emotional, I really just can't <laughs> can 't form sentences sorry I need like a brush or something to stick down there and just <laughs> you know what i mean like a like a toilet snake, but not not a toilet snake that' would be gross. <laughs> Something like that. And so anyway, so I started thinking about the building. Basically, the building represented something more than a building to us, really. And so here we are. We're, we're about to pray. We're about to, this name change. Like, it, you know, everybody, I think, feels good about it and feels like it's right. And, but think for a second about what we're, what we're going to pray for in the next month. Deeper personal and corporate ties to Jesus. Deeper personal and corporate ties to the mission he's put us on. Deeper personal and corporate ties to one another as people. We cannot look at that and see that as less of a game changer than a building would be. We have to be mature and recognize the fact That if we are growing in those areas, if we are deepening in those things, if God is miraculously, like, just like, um, if he is accelerating our growth in those things, then that is is infinitely more of a game changer than a building would be. If we can be the people we want to be, that changes the game. That changes the city. That changes the kingdom. That changes your community group. That changes your family. That changes everything that we are. We are not praying about something that is less than last year. We're praying about what God wants us to pray about. The elders have been talking about this and praying about this. If this is God's plan for us, then this is us bringing our asking and our seeking and our knocking to him. And we're we're asking him to do this. We're believing we should be excited. We should be expectant. Because this is the deep stuff. The building, whatever. We've been fine without a building. We'll be fine without a building forever. The early church, they just had Jesus and they had each other. And they changed the world. We're praying in the next couple of months really about that. We're praying about Jesus and we're praying about each other. And we're praying about changing the world. And that is what, why we are together And this is not a pep rally, okay? I'm not trying to get everybody on board because we really need people to participate in this thing. It's like, no, can can we mature in our understanding of just how significant it is that a whole church is going to come together and read the same verses and pray the same things on the same days together and what that could do for us? So I want you to be excited. I want you to wish it started tomorrow, you know? I want you to be excited coming toward Thursday. I want you to believe that God is doing something among us because he is. I want you to get on board. I want us all to be in it. And you know what? You know exactly, exactly what we need. You know. You know exactly what we need to ask and seek and knock about. You know your relationship with Jesus. You know exactly what you need to be asking and pursuing in those things. You know you're tied to mission. And you know you're tied to one another. You know the strengths. You know the weaknesses. You know, you know, you know, you know. You know. And you know us together. You know what our tie to Jesus is like corporately. You know our tie to mission is, is struggled. It's getting a little better sometimes. But you know, you know where we need to grow. You know our care for one another is strong and sometimes, and really not strong in other times. We know this is not something that we're like scratching our heads wondering. What do we do about this? What do we do about this? What do we, you know. we know exactly what's going on. We just need to get to the point where we're coming before the Lord and we're asking him. Will you do this among us? But we're, but we're seeking him in such a way that we're willing to obey whatever he says. That's re- what real seeking is. And we're doing it persistently for a month. And so on the other side of this month, when it's time to change the name, and, and it's like our, tenth, our real 10th birthday, not the reunion, but the birthday itself, and we're celebrating that, and we're continuing to go forward, we could be a different group of people than we are in this moment. Because you don't leave the presence of God the same way, and you don't you don't leave something like the thirty days the same way when we, everyone's been obedient. When people are half-hearted about it, or or <clears throat> they're not excited, or they're comparing it to last year, they're just just convinced that oh, it's not about a building, so I'm not that into it. Well, we need to we need to. To grow up, which is not a shot at being, uh, saying like, we're immature now. It's like, no, our perspective needs to mature as we go into this next year. We're not kids anymore. Now we're praying about holiness and love for the Lord and love for people. And the seriousness of the mission he's called us to. And so I hope that, I hope that we get excited about it. I hope that we will not give up. The persistent widow is has spoken to that story about the widow Jesus tells it to people who who give up because they've lost heart. If you've lost heart in your prayer life, about any of those things we're praying for, maybe this like gets you going. and so I hope you're excited about it. Um, I'm getting excited about it i've i've and I've been sitting in it for a while. so you're kind of hearing this for the first time, and so let's get let's kind of ramp up to Thursday. I think it's going to be really good. Um, yeah. Alright? Let me pray for us. And we're going to sing a little bit.